Joshua's first chapter tells us that in a moment of tremendous change and expectation, God encouraged Joshua with a new directive and a timeless promise. I hereby command you, said the Lord, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God's word to Joshua, which Joshua then shared with God's people, is the lens with which we read the book that bears his name. Specifically, it's the way in which we read the scripture, the lens with which we read the scriptures taken from that book throughout this sermon series on the book. When we read about the people facing adversity, we do well to notice if they draw strength and courage from this promise of God's abiding presence or whether they shrink away in fear. When we learn about their triumphs and success, will they remember God's great love for them, or will they become convinced of their own greatness? What happens when the people keep God's command? What happens when they don't? Be strong and courageous, says the Lord. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Since this is the book's central idea, then we must admit that the first person in the story who really seems to grasp it is a woman named Rahab. We started reading Rahab's story last Sunday. We learned then that when Joshua sent Israelite spies into the city of Jericho to scope out the promised land, those spies went straight to a prostitute's house, Rahab's house. When the local security forces came looking for those spies, we learned that it was Rahab who came up with the plan to save them, sending the authorities on a wild goose chase while she hid the spies on her roof. Then, in the story's surprise twist, we discovered that Rahab did what she did because she believed in God. We continue that story this morning. Aware that a calamity would soon fall upon her city, Rahab pressed the spies to spare her family. Reminded then of how much trouble they would be in if not for her help, the spies agreed with Rahab's request and instructed her to put a crimson cord in her window as a signal to Joshua's forces, which she did after sending the spies out with directions on how to make it back safely to their camp. And then Rahab waited. I found online this week an artist's attempt to illustrate this part of the story. It's a simple image of Rahab at her window. The crimson cord, which she seems to be holding in her hand, hangs beneath her. The image is in black and white, except for the cord. Even though a shadow obscures Rahab's face, we see her strong chin and a piercing gaze. It's as if she's lost in thought, and the artist is inviting us to imagine what those thoughts might be. Did she wonder if she'd made a huge mistake? When those security forces came back to town, would they make the connection between the cord in her window and the spies that once stayed in that place? Would they figure out Rahab's scheme and end her story? before her deliverance ever had a chance to come? And even if the cord's meaning remained a secret, even if the spies remain, even if the, even if it remained a secret among the people of Jericho, could Rahab trust the spies to keep their word? Wasn't she well acquainted with the promises that men make and break? In the chaos of battle, when emotions reached a fever pitch, would Rahab's family really be spared? 
And what about this God? What about this God about whom she had heard such magnificent things? She believed in God, but did God even see her, notice her, care about her? Did the lessons and promises of the Exodus that she had heard and that inspired her so much, did they have an intended audience from which a Canaanite prostitute like her would always be excluded? When the life that she knew crumbled to dust all around her, Could Rahab count on Israel's God to help her rise up and start over? Yes, yes, she could. Rahab was strong and courageous because she knew that God was with her, even her, and that knowledge, that faith was not in vain. When chaos came to Rahab's home, promises were kept and her family was saved. In fact, the scripture says that Joshua not only spared Rahab, but that God's people became her people too. Her son Boaz, he was an honorable man who married Ruth. Another woman whose story shows us that faith, not heritage, not ethnicity, opens the gate to the promised land. Later generations, the scripture tell us, later generations of her family tree included kings, King David, King Solomon. And eventually, her family tree included the man named Joseph, who married a woman named Mary, who gave birth to a son named Jesus. That's a powerful witness to the width and depth of God's love for all people. And if we know Rahab's story, it's also a powerful testimony to God's harrowing grace. In the first sermon I delivered from this pulpit over two years ago, I shared this phrase, harrowing grace, with you. It comes from a poem by Emily Dickinson, and it still means a lot to me. Harrowing grace, the dictionary meaning of the phrase, is a blessing that is acutely distressing, which seems like a bit of an oxymoron, doesn't it? We want blessings that comfort and heal, sign us up for amazing grace, sure, but a grace that knocks us off balance, a grace that troubles, who needs a blessing like that? Emily's words are jarring, they are arresting, and they are out of step with how we like to talk and think about experiencing God's blessings in our lives. However, her words are also insightful and edifying and true. For instead of leading us away from the meaning of grace, I believe they move us closer and closer to the center of our relationship with God. The same God who doesn't promise that we'll never know hard times, but who promises never to leave or forsake us when hard times do come. Harrowing grace is the blessing made available to us in the moments and circumstances that we are desperate to avoid. It's the glimmer of hope that helps us find the courage and strength to take the next step when we're emotionally spent. It's discovering that you can plant your feet and start kicking your way back up to the surface from the ground you hit at rock bottom. It's being honest that you'd prefer not to find out what's beneath the pieces of your shattered life because you'd prefer that your life remain whole. Yet knowing and trusting and believing that underneath those broken pieces, there is still God. There is still God's love for you. That's harrowing grace. Rahab's story in the book of Joshua reminded me of Emily Dickinson's poem because I believe that Rahab knew the blessing of harrowing grace. The crimson cord at her window reminds us that when Rahab's life blew up, 
Her faith wasn't in vain. And that same can be true, that same thing, that same grace can be said about us, can be made available to us. The crimson cord, you see, threads its way from Rahab's story into our own story so that God might weave us into the great story of God's love. It's the same cord, you see, that was there at Passover in the blood on the doorpost that marked God's people for new life and freedom when death and oppression had them surrounded. It's the same cord that ties us to the cross whose crimson position marks us with God's perfect love, not the supposed perfection of our own self-righteousness and goodness. It's the same cord through which our deliverance comes when our hearts melt in sorrow, when we pour them out in prayer, or when we're go- or when what we're going through is too much for us and our hearts just break. Crimson, Rahab's crimson cord is the sign of God's harrowing grace a reminder to all who understand that we are never so broken as to be beyond mercy's help. We are never so lost or confused as to be hidden from God's sight. God told Joshua to be strong, courageous, and firmly grounded in the promise of God's abiding presence. And then God provided an example of that strong and courageous faith in a woman named Rahab. May God give us eyes to see and hearts to follow her example too, to open our spirits to God's harrowing grace and to face whatever comes our way with the strength and courage of those who never face any challenge alone. Thanks be to God for this good news today. Amen and amen.